0: Okay, we're in Ezekiel. We're in Ezekiel 33. We're going to do Ezekiel 33 tonight, 34 next week. Each of these are, uh, the first one is the watchman of Israel. The second one is God's judgment on the shepherds of Israel. Uh, This is the fourth division uh, in the book of Ezekiel. So you want to understand what's going on in Ezekiel. The first three chapters are the call, Ezekiel's call of God. Then you have uh, from chapter 4 to 24, God's judgment on Jerusalem. Whenever we talk about God's judgment, we look at our world today, we should be saying those things ourselves, right? Like um, God's judgment looks like God's judgment is falling all around us. And the point behind that is we need to recognize God's judgment begins in the house of the Lord. God's judgment, before he brought judgment to the nations, it fell on Jerusalem and nation of Israel chapters 4 to 24 then you have God's judgment on the nations chapter 25 to 32 we start tonight the hope and restoration of Israel so as we move forward we're we're going to be talking on and focusing on the hope for Israel that's Messiah the restoration of Israel that's the kingdom and as we move toward the end of the book this will be our focus. The first, the next two chapters are going to focus on the return of God's flock. So you remember that they're scattered, right? Jerusalem's been conquered. The children of Israel have been taken cap, uh, captive. In Ezekiel 34, verse 11, this is like the, the groundwork for what we're coming through in chapter 33. He says this For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. Now, if you remember the gospel of John, John chapter 10, we went through Jesus said, he was what kind of shepherd? And what was he come what did he come for? He come for his sheep, right? Here you have the promise in Ezekiel 31, God saying, "I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out." As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep and and they have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of cloud and thick darkness. So in a dark day, you know, bad things happen on a dark day, right? That's a a metaphor for the struggles of life. He says, I'm going to go find them. I will bring them, verse 13, out uh, from the peoples, gather them from the other countries, And bring them to their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. By the ravines. And all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel. Shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing. And on rich pasture they will feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself. This is Yahweh. I myself will be a shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them to lie down. Declares the Lord God Psalm 23 how's that begin the the Lord is, Yahweh is my shepherd Yahweh is my shepherd I shall not want right the idea that God is the one who's giving them everything and so Ezekiel in the next two chapters is focused on this ideal of bringing the people back now they're just been scattered the the final judgment has come we'll see that as we get to the end of chapter 33 And so the Lord's going to reiterate something that he started talking about way back in chapter 18. And he's going to reiterate something else he talked about, which is the the lesson about the watchman. God told Ezekiel, I've called you to be a watchman. You remember the job of the watchman? Sound the warning. Sound the trumpet. So he begins, the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel 33.1. Son of man, speak to your people and say to them, If I bring a sword upon a land, and the people of the land take a man from among them and make him their watchman, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, and the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take warning. His blood is upon himself. But if he had taken warning, he would have saved his life. But if the watchman sees a sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, so the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes away one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, in his sin. But his blood I will will require at the watchman's hand. So the watchman has a job. That job is to sound the trumpet. In the beginning of Ezekiel... God called Ezekiel his watchman. And so the Lord told Ezekiel, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it so you're mute. You're not going to be able to talk. And the only time you'll be able to talk is when I have given you something to say. So Ezekiel's going to live there in the refugee camp. And whenever he comes outside of his house, he's going to deliver a message from the Lord. And God said, it's going to be that way. It's going to remain that way until all that I've told you comes to pass. Now, primarily, he's focused on the judgment against Jerusalem. And so when Jerusalem falls, we'll see that tonight, when Jerusalem falls, it's all going to stop. His voice will return to him, and the Lord says, then they will know there is a prophet among them. The idea of people understanding the prophet, knowing the prophet, God always had a special call, a special um, plan and purpose for their life. A prophet did things nobody else did. A prophet spoke words nobody else was speaking. Now the people tended to want to hear messages that they liked. If you remember all the way back, 1 Kings, I want to say around 21, 22, you have King Ahab and and, uh, he's called to, he's asked by one of the other kings that's with him hey don't you have a prophet of God who can come tell us about how this battle's going to go and Ahab says yeah but he never says anything I want to hear that was pretty much the relationship right between the prophets and the people so God's call to the prophet was be faithful to sound the warning and he's going to describe to us why that matters to God why should God care why would it matter to God if, if, if all it was about was just saying, hey, tell the people I'm going to wipe them out. And then he wipes out the people and they, there was nothing they could do about it. This is just how it's going to be. If it was like that, why would God care about a watchman? It doesn't matter. If the watchman warns the people and there's no escape, what's the point? And we're going to see in chapter 33 that the point is there is an escape. There is a response that the people can make. And that's the point that God's going to deliver through uh, through Ezekiel. It begins in verse 7. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you will give them warning from me. Whatever I say, you tell them. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way. Why is he speaking to the wicked? So that he'll turn, right? It's not just a delivery of Jonah thought that. Jonah, you guys remember the story of Jonah, right? Yeah, Jonah got swallowed by a big fish, puked up in Nineveh. He did his best to die. He so badly did not want to do what God had called him to that um, he was willing to jump off a ship and and drown in the ocean rather than going. But God had another plan, right? Jodah swallowed, delivered to Nineveh. When he walks across Nineveh, the message, you guys can look it up, but the message is something like this. 40 days from now, God's gonna kill you all. That's it. He didn't want them, he didn't want no turning, no repentance, no forgiveness. He didn't want none of that. He wanted those people Wiped out. And even through Jonah's message, scripture tells us that from the king to the least of the people, they put on sackcloth and ashes. They bowed down and repented before God, and God relented of the judgment that he had purposed for Nineveh. Now, the judgment of Nineveh comes later under another prophet when there's no reaction. From the people. So when God gives a word through a prophet, it is to accomplish something. And the point of the prophet or the watchman is to deliver that word, whatever God told him, whatever he's supposed to say, deliver it so that their blood guilt is on them. They heard, I could repent. They chose not to repent. Judgment falls, their blood's on their hands right so this is the declaration that he is supposed to give you give them warning from me oh wicked one you shall surely die if you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way that wicked person will die in his sin but his blood i will require at your hand so there's a response that the people can make right you have to give that you have to give that word but, in verse 9, but if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn, that person will die in his sin. He will die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. So he's saying, the life is not required of you. The call to the prophet was to be faithful to deliver God's word. You think to God, the, the faithful deliverance of his word matters to him. Yeah, faithfully deliver. My word. Those are important things we need to be thinking about. We need to be concentrating on, especially in our world today. Because in our world today, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of people that don't know what's going on. There's a lot of stories, variety of stories saying different things. One guy says this, one guy says that. We shake our heads and we wonder which way we're supposed to go. We look to the Lord and we want to hear a word from God. And God has placed faithful men in pulpits around the country who have a job to speak faithfully God's word. And if they don't, the Bible says, let not many of you become teachers where a teacher will sit under stronger condemnation. Just like the prophets of old, the idea is we must be faithful to God's word. We must be faithful about what God's word says. And that's in every aspect. That's in our worship. That's in our prayer. That's in our Study that's in our sharing our faith with others, we must be faithful men speaking forth, faithful men and women speaking forth what God has clearly shown us through His Word. And so He will go on. He says, Now, uh, and you, Son of Man, say to the house of Israel, Thus you have said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? He's saying, look, there's, there's word coming. We get to the end of the chapter, there's gonna be a refugee who comes into the refugee camp and gives them the word. Ezekiel's been sharing with them for 10, 10 years. He's gonna deliver it and they're going to hear for the last time Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple is gone. The city is no more. And when they do, they're going to make this proclamation. He says, Ezekiel is saying, this is what the people, the refugees have said. Surely our transgression and our sins are upon us and we rot away because of them. How then can we live? They're describing their pain and their suffering under the judgment that God had brought. They're close. They're close, but they're not there. They recognize this is our sin that has brought this upon us. These are our failures that have brought this judgment upon us. Now we have a confession of guilt. Now we just need repentance. Turn from your sin turn to God cannot hold your sin in your hand and look at it longingly and say I know it's because of this sin that I'm suffering that's not repentance repentance requires me to turn to turn my back to my sin not my back to the Lord so he says in verse 11 the Lord says say to them as I live declares the Lord God I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Did you catch that? God said, you tell those people, the refugees, who are in just a few moments are going to hear the news that Jerusalem has fallen, and they're going to cry out in pain and misery, that their hope is gone. What do we have? God has forsaken us. None of those things are true. But it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? You ever been in a place where you felt forsaken, forgotten, left, left behind? But God hasn't forsaken or forgotten. Sometimes God is doing something new. And you got to open up your eyes and open up your arms and say, show me. Show me, God. I feel, I feel lonely. I feel left behind. I feel forsaken. that's where they were. We feel forsaken. There's no hope. But there was hope. There is, there is always hope, and there is a hope and a plan and a purpose. So the Lord says, Ezekiel, tell the people, this is not for your destruction. Jeremiah 29, 11. You guys know what it says? I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He said that to the refugees through Jeremiah the prophet, on their way in chains to slavery. Their feeling was there's no hope. But God is saying, this is not about the destruction. I have no glory in your destruction. I'm, this, is not, this is not elevating my purpose to wipe you out. What elevates God's purpose is when the wicked do what? Repent. When the wicked repent. Listen to what the Lord says. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But contrary to that first concept, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But I have pleasure in the repentance of the wicked. Does the Bible tell us anywhere that heaven rejoices when a sinner repents? You guys have heard that before, right? So here the Lord is saying, but that the wicked would turn, repent, turn from his way and live. And then he he tells Ezekiel to say, turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why will you die, O house of Israel? The clear understanding that I see in scripture here is a plea with the people of Israel to repent and live. Or be stiff necked and die. It's the same exact plea you'll see in the book of Revelation in the judgments and the end of days. Repent and live. Rebel and die. And then the Lord's plea. Why should you die? You you don't have to die. You can live. 2 Peter 3 9. Peter writes this The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. No pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now he goes on in verse 12. Now you, son of man, say to your people, the, righteous, the righteousness of the righteous will not deliver him when he transgresses. So here's the issue that we're going to be looking at. He's going to talk about the righteousness of the righteous and the wickedness of the wicked. And he's going to talk about the, the man who, who is <coughs> walking in his uh, self-righteousness, And then he decides to turn. He transgresses. He commits sin against the Lord. And the Lord says, your righteousness, your good life will not save you. Your good life. What do we know? What what do the prophets tell us about our righteousness? Our righteousness is what? Filthy rags. So our filthy rags are not able to save us. What saves us is a reliance on God. And the reliance on God is seen in the life, whether you are a righteous man or a wicked man, the reliance on God is seen in the life that repents, who turns from their sin, looks toward the Lord and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. Wasn't that the words of the guy on the cross? Have mercy on me, a sinner. Oh, I I know who I am. And I know who you are. And I can't save myself. He's going to say the righteousness of the righteous will not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns. That's the same Hebrew word for repentance. When he turns from his sin and turns to the Lord. Change his direction. When he turns from his wickedness, and the righteous will not be able to, uh, and the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. So the point is, a man. This is the issue with Israel. Israel, all the way up until the destruction of Jerusalem, said, God's not going to judge us. We're God's chosen people. We're His favorites. We are righteous. The rest of you out there are wicked, wicked people. But we're righteous. We're Abraham's kids we will be delivered because of our birth right. And the Lord is saying, look, you call yourself righteous, but you sin. Your righteousness can't deliver you. You will not be delivered by your righteousness. And the wicked man, like Nineveh, the wicked man who calls upon the name of the Lord, he will be saved. God will hear his cry, the Lord will lift him up. And the point is to get Israel to recognize we don't have a birthright. We're not somehow better than every Gentile that ever existed. We have to turn from our sin and turn to the Lord. Was that not the message of the prophets? What was the message of John the Baptist? Did the message of the pro- prophets ever change? Repent, 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 repent. Repent. Wait. Repent. Yeah, that's pretty much all of it. Turn from your sin. And in our world today, there's this real move. There's this real uh, strong action to try to confuse people to think, well, this isn't really sin or or that really isn't sin or, or that really isn't sin. And that's why it's important for men of God to stand on the truth of God's word and clearly proclaim, yes, this is sin. Turn from your sin and live. Why should you die? And so the Lord says that your your righteousness cannot deliver you. Though, Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, walks in sin, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered. But in his injustice that he has done, he will die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you will surely die, yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right. If the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what was taken by robbery, walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live. Now the point of that is not, oh look, the wicked guy stops being wicked and does all these good things. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about what repentance looks like. If we have two paths, the Bible talks clearly about two paths, a path that leads to life, a path that leads to death, right? So if I'm walking the path that leads to death, and I hear God call me, and he says to me, Jackie, turn, you're going the wrong way. The path you're on leads to death. If I turn and describe the road I'm on now, it's the road that does Justly, It's the road that walks after God's commandments. It's the road that's following him. There's only two paths. Jesus said, you are either for me or... So the point, we want to be going, moving in the direction that the Lord God has called us to. When we take, our, when we take and we turn on our path... This is describing what repentance looks like. Repentance is not coming to somebody and saying, you know, I'm sorry for all I did. Do you guys know that sometimes sorry doesn't erase anything? Right? Well, let's say I, I, I uh, where's DJ? DJ, when DJ was a little girl, Destiny, you guys know Destiny? Well, if you don't, I was going to say Sierra's sister, but she has gone too. So, anyways... Destiny was playing volleyball. She jammed her finger. And I was a football coach at the school she went to school at. And so I told her, TJ, come over here. be remembered against him. That's God choosing not to ever bring up our sin. God knows everything, right? He even knows the things he has decided not to know. I will take your sins and your iniquities and I will move them as far as the east is from the west, right? None of the sins he has committed will be remembered. He has done what is just and right. He will surely live. Let me give you another verse to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 66:18, 18. If I cherish iniquity in my heart, the Lord won't listen to me. You understand? I cannot hold on to my sin and have a fruitful ministry with the Lord. Oh no, I can please all the people. That's not the same thing. I can't have a fruitful ministry with the Lord. You guys all know a, a preachers, pastors who have who have lived a life of sin and nobody knew it until they get caught ten years later. That stuff happens. But they they lost their ability to be effective long ago. And the Lord has not been listening. If you hold on to your sin, what is it we're supposed to do with our sin? Confess. We confess our sin and we repent. Put our sin away. I don't want that sin. I might grab it again tomorrow. Then what do I do? Confess and repent. And what do I do the next day? Confess and repent. Till the victory is absolutely won, this is the attitude we are to have. Verse seventeen. Yet your people say the way of the Lord is not just. Hey, that's not fair. Anybody ever said that to God? Lord, that's not fair. What are you doing? Your people say the way of the Lord is not just when it is their own way that is not just. God says, what's not just about me judging the wicked and delivering the righteous? That's just. He says in verse 18, when the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he'll die. He'll be judged for his sin. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is right, he shall live. So if you repent, you will be delivered. Don't lose sight. This is a message to the refugees who are about to get the bad news. Who are about to lose all hope. God hates us and there's no hope for us anymore. And what is the message Ezekiel's telling them? No, if you turn from your sin, there is hope. There's always hope. If you will turn from your sin, Verse 20, Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. O house of Israel, I, God speaking, will judge you according to your way. God says, I'm going to judge you according to who you are, what you do. There will be no pleading on the day that we stand before the Lord. You are either clothed in the blood of Jesus Christ and thereby made righteous through his sacrifice or you're guilty because every man will stand guilty before the Lord. There will be no deliverance on that day. In verse 21, he says, Now, in the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came. So here comes the bad news. He said, The city has been struck down. Now the hand of the Lord had been upon me the evening before the fugitive came, and he opened my mouth by the time the man came to me in the morning so my mouth was open and I was no longer mute now from this point Ezekiel is going to be like everybody else he can talk anytime he wants to the Lord has trained him by telling him only say things I tell you to say how much better would we be if we only said the things God told us to say there would be a lot less trouble in my life I can tell you that so he says, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, the inhabitants of these waste places in the land of Israel, keep saying, Abraham was only one man, yet he got the possession of the land. But we're many. Surely the, this is our land to possess. But he's saying that this is what the people said back in Jerusalem. Now it's a wasteland. But they said, oh, surely God will never judge us. We're his favorites. God will never bring judgment here. This is our land to possess. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God. You eat flesh with the blood. You lift up your eyes to idols and shed blood. Shall you then possess the land? Now what's God saying? He's saying, look, you walked in disobedience to me. You did things you knew were an abomination to the Lord. And you walked in those. And you walked in those. And you walked in those. And I sent prophet after prophet after prophet calling you to repent. And you did not repent. You will not live in the land. That's his land. You will not live there. This is what the Lord is declaring to them. <coughs> he says in verse 26, You rely on the sword. You commit abominations. Each of you defiles his neighbor's wife. Shall you then possess a land? Say this to them, says the Lord God. As I live, surely those who are in the waste places will fall by the sword. Whoever's in the open field to the beast to be devoured. And those in the strongholds and in the cave shall die by pestilence. There's three judgments the Lord brings. Every time he brings a judgment, we see the same thing in the four horses of the apocalypse. Right? He's going to bring the sword, he's going to bring pestilence, and he's going to bring famine. And he's going to judge, he says, this is a So some of you are going to die by the sword. Some of you are going to be eaten by beasts. You have no place to live, no safe place to go. Some of you are going to hide in a cave, but you're going to waste away because you're stuck in a place that you, you can't get away from disease. And now the disease is going to find you. But the point is, the judgment will come. And no matter which of those that comes, they come from God. He says, these are mine. And I will make the land a desolation, empty. There's not going to be anybody in it and a waste. Her proud might will come to an end. The mountains of Israel shall be desolate so that no one will pass through. And they will know I am the Lord when I have made the land a desolation and a waste because of their abominations they have committed. So the Lord just repeats. This guy comes down and delivers the bad news to the people. Oh, the people, they say we have no hope. God has judged us. The temple's gone. Our nation is gone. The city of Jerusalem is gone. There's nothing there. And there's not going to be anything there for 70 years until Ezra and Nehemiah take a small group back and they rebuild. And that small group that goes back, those are going to be the men that Nehemiah and Ezra challenge to hold a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other and rebuild that which God gave them. And the Lord's going to deliver a nation back to them. Ezekiel's going to be now focused on restoration The Lord will restore you. But what is it that he's looking for in the meantime? Repentance. What's going to happen there in in Babylon when a young man named Daniel, who prays three times a day, he's going to come to a point in the book of Daniel where it says he's going to cry out in repentance to the Lord. He said, I see that it's to be 70 years and our time is about done. Forgive us, Lord. There's going to be an attitude of repentance from driven by prophets like Daniel and Ezekiel to the people that will bring forth a remnant that will reestablish God's hope in the land. He says in verse 30 As for you, Son of Man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, they say to one another, each to his brother. Come hear the word of the Lord. So now the people know. Hey, you know that crazy guy who walked around in his underwear for a while and was building models in front of his house and we all thought he was crazy? And that dude is speaking for God. So they're going to say, come and hear what the word of the Lord is from, or what, uh, what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as a people. And they come to you as people come. And they sit before you as my people. And they hear what you say but they won't do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is still set on game. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs, wistful songs, with a beautiful voice. You play well on an instrument, and they hear what you say, but they won't do it. That's the same... struggle understanding the things we ought to do for certain so Ezekiel 33, 33 says and when this comes when these things happen and come it will they will know a prophet has been among them when these things happen when these things come together the promises he's going to talk about we're going to We're going to see Ezekiel 37 and Ezekiel 38. We're going to talk about the Valley of Dry Bones and the nation of Israel being rebirthed and all of these things that the people are going to listen to like like lustful songs. Like, oh, this is such a pretty song. such a pretty story. We really like to listen to Ezekiel. But when they see these things come to pass, what does he say? Then they will know a prophet was among them. God has never left His people without the voice either of the prophet or of his word. They have always been there for him. And for you and I, it's important that we understand the world we live in now, the crazy things going on around us, the decisions we're going to be making in the upcoming days, the places we go, the things we say, the stuff we do. God's word is given to us to show us the way, path of life, path of death. Joshua looked over the people at the end of his ministry and he said, each man must choose whom he will serve. As for me and my people, we will serve the Lord. Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, God, in which we can come before you. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, share your truth, your word. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would inhabit. Lord, the hearts of your people, drive us to you, help us walk with you. May we know, may we understand, may we recognize the things that God that you are calling us to, the obedience you desire, the turning from sin and turning toward you to recognize that there is no hope in the things of this world, but there is hope in you, for you are able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us from you God open our eyes open our hearts make us a people not like the people at Ezekiel's time who said hey we're entertained and this is sweet and that was fun but rather make us a people whose God is the Lord whose desire is to follow the Lord of hosts whose hope is in you May you be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name.